You're listening to a Thorn Creek Weekend Message Podcast. For more audio content and other resources, visit thorncreek.church messages. You guys ever see, this is a true story right here about a FedEx employee who, uh, who got stranded on a desert island. Now every FedEx employee is required to go to survival training camp and be on a desert island. You guys are going to make me work. I can tell already. You guys are just watching me. Come on now. <laughs> Don't make me do all the work. But uh, have you ever been shipwrecked? Today's message is titled Shipwrecked. Have you ever been shipwrecked before? Um, I, I did a little search on some survival tips on being shipwrecked. So just in case you ever find yourself uh, shipwrecked on a desert island or something, I'm going to just share three with you, three points here. This is by Doug Williams. Uh, first thing is not everything that swims in the water is safe to eat. So don't eat jellyfish, spiky fish, fish with parrot-like beak, or those ugly puffed up like balloon fish. Don't eat any of that stuff. And if you're on the beach, uh, you can tell quickly how shallow the water is by observing the color composition. More green water typically means it's, what do you think, shallow or deep? Green water. Shallow, right. And blue water more, it means, means deeper. But if you, the, the greener water, the shallow water, is where the little fish live and there's predators. So just stay out of the water. Um, verse three, or verse three, <laughs> point number three is beware of the hallucinations and tricks our mind plays on us when we're in survival mode. Often the dark clouds on the horizon give the impression of mountains. Do not follow every instinct and try to look for greener pastures nearby than following an illusion. So now you're ready to survive on a desert island. And you can say, I learned at Thorn Creek not to eat puffy fish and to stay out of the water. So um, <laughs> I'm glad you're at church today, guys. Uh, you know, the Lord is been working in my heart. I had spent spent some time in the back over here while our worship team was doing a wonderful job leading us in worship. I spent some time with the Lord, and He's so good, guys. Um, I want you to know you've been brought here by God. God has stirred your heart and has brought you to church. Whether this is your regular church or your first time and you're checking out church, whatever it is, you have a God who loves you. You have a God who cares about you. You have a God who sees you. And uh, you have a God who wants you to know him. You have a God who wants you to know him. So my prayer is that you have a personal encounter with the living God. And God just continues to lead. We don't need to hear my wisdom. We need to hear a word from the Lord, right? We need to hear a word from the Lord. So let's pray. God, thank you for your grace and your love. We cry out to you, the God of creation, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac. Jesus, we cry out to you. Have your way here. Holy Spirit, move in and through me. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for the forgiveness of, of, uh, of my sins and our sins. Thank you for the blood that was shed on the cross for us and coming into this crazy world 2,000 years ago. And, and thank you for walking with us today. And, and, and I know you're still in the business of changing lives, and I thank you for that, God. Thank you for your presence. Holy Spirit, move here. I pray that every soul has an encounter with you, an undeniable encounter with you. You know what everyone's going through, God. And we give ourselves to you. I give myself to you, Lord. For your glory, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, maybe you haven't had like a shipwreck like, you know, Tom Hanks and Castaway, but maybe you've had a different kind of shipwreck. Um, maybe it was your, your faith or your hope. Or maybe it was a relationship that went bad. Maybe it was marriage. Maybe it was something. And there was a, a shipwreck in your life. Um, Paul, before we jump into Acts, when we've been, the series is called Unleashed. 
If you're visiting with us, please grab a t-shirt. Uh, we, had, we ordered 600 t-shirts, and they're just about all gone now. But if you see a, a table out in the hall, and, and, and this is Unleashed, they're free. They're for you. So it's really cool. It's Unleashed, and we made like a concert shirt. And in the back are all the messages over the weeks, and it ends Labor Day weekend. But feel free to grab a t-shirt. But um, we're looking at the power of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. And um, when you, uh, the book of Acts is, is about the church being born. You have the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then in, in the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit is given, and, and the church is born, and it's been around for 2,000 years, and it's going to outlive even the company you work for. And, and there's nothing like the power of the Holy Spirit working through ordinary people. And as, you, as we look at this, and, and you look at Paul the Apostle, he talks to Timothy, and most people believe Timothy is one of the last letters Paul wrote. And he's writing to young Timothy, and he's giving him advice, and here's what he tells him. Timothy, my son, here are my instructions for you based on the prophetic words spoken about you earlier. So someone apparently spoke some prophetic words over Timothy. And then here, may they help you fight well in the Lord's battles. So right up front, Paul is telling Timothy, you are a a Christian and you can expect battles. You can expect things in spiritual battles. Not physical necessarily, but spiritual battles. And you can expect this. And then his, his advice to Timothy is this. Cling to your faith in Christ. I have this picture of like holding on to the, my, my Bible or something like, cling to your faith in Christ. Hold on to it. Don't let it go. And keep your conscience clear. You know what that means is when the Spirit of God speaks to you about something in your life and your conscience is you know, God, God speaks to you and says, this is right, or, or this is wrong, what you said, or what you did, or, or, or you need to turn left and don't turn right. You know, whatever it is, you are to respond with obedience. If repentance is necessary, whatever it is, or you need to ask someone for forgiveness, whatever it is, that's how you keep your conscience clear. You're sensitive to, to God in your life. You're sensitive to what the Lord is telling you, and you're sensitive to to whatever you need to do to keep your conscience clear. Cling to your faith, keep your conscience clear. For some people have deliberately violated their consciences. That means their conscience, God told them to do one thing, but they went the other way. Some people have deliberately violated their consciences. As a result, their faith has been, what? Shipwrecked. Shipwrecked. I think about this when I first, and if you keep reading this passage here, like the very next verse, Paul, like, drops names. He's like, so-and-so, like, so-and-so, like, so-and-so, like, so-and-so. All these people, they used to go to church all the time, and they don't go to church anymore. They don't even believe in God, and they, they, their faith has been shipwrecked. And maybe you know someone like that. You know, growing up, you knew they went to church, and they were maybe old school. They went to church on Sunday mornings and Sunday nights and Wednesdays, and they were at church all the time. And today, they're on a golf course. Today they listen to podcasts, and today they, they, they're a good person, but it's just different. Or maybe this kind of reflects you. Maybe there was a day when you just felt like you had an encounter with God, and you, you, know, like you were so lit up for God, and now that flame has just died down quite a bit. And you don't have moments with God as much as you used to have moments with God, and you're certainly not as passionate about the church as you used to be, and your involvement is maybe not even at the level what it used to be, and maybe you were hurt 
Whatever the case was, that fire has dwindled down. And Paul is saying, be careful because your faith can be shipwrecked. So he says, cling to your faith in Christ and keep your conscience clear. Because if you don't do those two things, your faith could be shipwrecked. And you'll have only stories and memories, and those things will go away soon. So <clears throat> Paul the Apostle talks about shipwreck, or he actually experienced a shipwreck. Let me tell you a little bit about Paul. This is a guy whose uh, name was Saul, and uh, he's a guy who hated the church. He's a guy who hated Christians, very educated guy, very educated. In fact, some people would say he would have the equivalent of as many as five different doctorate degrees. Very smart guy, well-read, and this is a guy whose whole purpose in life was to persecute Christians. And uh, God got a hold of him on this famous road to Damascus. God gets a hold of him, and he's blind. Do you remember how many days he was blind, church? How many days was he blind? Three days he was blind. And that would get my attention. I don't know about you, but if I were blind for three days, that would be enough to get my attention, regardless of my beliefs. And then eventually, uh, he's prayed over, and he, he miraculously sees. He has this encounter with Jesus while he's blind, and, and all of a sudden, he lives the rest of his life for the purpose of Jesus Christ. Think about that a little bit. We all, are, we all have busy lives. We all do different things, and we have, whether it's our company or or, or where we work, or our family, or spouse, or whatever it is. But think about everything being pushed aside and living for the sole purpose of Jesus, and that becomes your sole priority. That's what happens to Paul, the apostle. Becomes one of our greatest missionaries in Christianity, and, and in fact, much of the New Testament is written by this guy who uh, the Lord used in miraculous ways. There's his missionary journeys on the screen. So he's famous for these three missionary journeys um, and uh, the Lord used him in all these missionary journeys. He was planting churches, talking to people about Jesus, preaching, whether it was at Mars Hill or wherever it was. And eventually he wrote letters back to all these places like Ephesus and, and, Col- and Colossians, everywhere he, everywhere he visited. So he does all this, but one of his last trips, it's called the fourth journey. Some people call it the fourth journey, but it's really his voyage to Rome. When you look at Paul, his whole life, what, his, his life as a Christian, he wants to go to Rome. He's infatuated with Rome. And he wants to get there. And I want to talk to you about this trip to Rome, because in this trip, there's a shipwreck that's involved. So we're going to, I hope you appreciate geography a little bit. I'm going to show you what uh, modern day uh, looks like. If if Caesarea was there, Israel is, you see Israel and Jordan. Caesarea would be just above Israel, and and Rome is right there in Italy. And this is the, the Mediterranean Sea. So in modern day, uh, he would be traveling from Caesarea to Rome, and you would think a direct line would be the way he would get there, and it would be by boat. And incidentally, this is pretty cool, um, during the days of, of Paul the Apostle, Rome was just a powerhouse. And what Rome did was Rome established roads. And the reason why they established roads was to strengthen their political might. That's why they established roads. They had resources, and and they established these roads. Now, it's important to understand this because God used these roads that Rome built to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul traveled these very roads 
that Rome built. Just so cool how God works. So you, you see, uh, Paul, let me, let me just go back in time. And if we're looking at this during the days of Paul the Apostle, here's what it would have looked like. Uh, got zoomed in just a little bit. And Caesarea is just above Jerusalem there on the bottom left there. So this was his path that he took uh, to eventually get to Rome. But it didn't happen the way he thought it would happen. Verse 1 of chapter 27 says this, When the time came, we set sail for Italy. Paul and several other prisoners were placed in the custody of a Roman officer named Julius, a captain of the Imperial Regiment. So, so uh, Dr. Luke is writing this. That's who's the author behind this. And, and he wrote the, the book of Acts. And, and he says, when the time came, we, that's, that's Luke is in the we, set sail for Italy. And Paul goes, but how does Paul travel? He's a prisoner. This is not like a, a, an Alaskan cruise or the Carnival cruise or something like that. This is, this is uh, Paul is going on this boat as a prisoner to Rome. It's not exactly how he envisioned. It's not exactly how he thought it would happen. And this is important for us to understand because God works in mysterious, mysterious ways, doesn't he? Paul wanted to go to Rome, but he never thought it would be as a prisoner. But God uses every circumstance around him and around us in just beautiful, beautiful ways. Sometimes we think, oh, I'm going to go from here to this place in the company, or I'm going to one day have my own business, or I'm going to one day, I'm going to live in, you know, in southern, you know, South Beach or something, or I'm going to live in San Diego, I'm going to retire in Arizona, or I'm going to do whatever you think, you think. And it doesn't happen quite the way you think it's going to happen. God is so beautiful, so big, so mysterious, and he knows the desires of your heart better than you do, and he has a plan for, for you. Let me just say this, nothing is as it seems. There's a reason behind everything. God, is, God will use everything, even the Roman road. God will use everything, and I want you to hear this. Surrendering to God's will means you surrender to his way as well. So it's not just saying, God, I want your will in my life. Okay, I'm all done. You know, but it's also saying, God, however you want to lay this out, I'm going to surrender to that too. So I'm not going to be married to a business plan. I'm not going to be married to a strategy. I'm not going to be married to a timeline. I'm not going to be married to a route. I'm just going to surrender to you, God, and I'm going to trust that it's going to happen the way you want it to happen. It's going to happen that way. When you go back to this map and you see the next town they stopped in was this place called Sidon, um, it, there's this storm that's starting to, to happen, and the wind is starting to blow. And they went from Caesarea to Sidon, and while, while they're in Sidon, it's really interesting, Julius, the commander of the ship, the captain of the ship, he knows Paul, and he tells Paul, Paul has friends in Sidon, and he says, you can, you can get off here and you can see your friends. This was a big deal for a prisoner, because during those days, if you were a prisoner, there was no guarantee of three meals a day, no guarantee at all. So if you got food, if it was available, great. If you didn't eat that whole day, it's your fault, you're a prisoner. So they, they, he was able to get off the ship, and he was able to go into Sidon, and he was able to spend time with his friends, and his friends encouraged him. So it's such a message there for us. But one of the most powerful things you can do for another person is encourage them. It's always easy to be critical. It's always easy to find the wrong. It's always easy to be negative, but be encouraging to those around you, especially those who live under your same roof. 
Sometimes we're more gracious to people who live outside of our roof than we are those who live under our roof. But keep in mind, those who live under your roof live with you for better or for worse. Be gracious to those under your roof. Speak words of kindness. Be gracious to them. And that's what Paul gets. He goes to Sidon, and he's encouraged by these guys. And then the third place he goes to is this place called Myra. And you read about this place in Myra. Myra is important because it was in Myra. And if you notice the way he's traveling, he went around this island called Cyprus. And the original plan was to go on the other side of Cyprus, but the wind was pushing so hard, it pushed him. And they used Cyprus as like a wall, like a barrier. And they actually went around it. So they're hugging the coastline. The reason why they're hugging the coastline is this strong wind is pushing everything, everything north, north, uh, north well, it would be northeast, uh, pushing them this, this way. And, and, but it's while they're in Myra that they change ships. They go from one ship to a larger ship from Egypt. So they jump on that ship, and there's all kinds of trade goods and valuables on this ship, and there's close to 300 souls on this boat, but they jump. And the reason why I want you to understand this is because there's this same wind, this one wind pushes everyone up, and it's the same wind that, that, that shortens Paul's trip to Sidon. It's the same wind that required his ship to go to Cyprus, to, around Cyprus, and it's the same wind that pushed this large Egyptian ship to Myra, which is where Paul jumped off in Myra, him and all of his friends, they jumped off of one ship and they jumped into this larger Egyptian ship. It's the same wind that pushed all these things and made all these things happen. Here's what I want you to hear. God can use the same storm in your life that brought the problem to bring the purpose. He can use the same storm that thing that's, that's creating problems in your life, God is so big, he's able to say, I'm going to use that for my purpose. And that same storm, that problem that you have in your life that you think, I just want it to go away, God can use it for his glory and for his purpose. That's what he does. And if it wasn't for that large Egyptian ship to show up in Myra, Paul very likely would have died. But it was that large ship that was pushed because of that, that wind. And while he's in Myra, he jumps. God can use that same storm. Now, something happens. The fourth city that he eventually gets to is this place called Fair Havens. It sounds like a, like a northeast city or something in Boston, doesn't it? Something like that. You know, these, these fishermen or something. Fair Havens is this place, and you see it there on the map. This is a pivotal stop right here. They're, they're, they're fighting, and in fact, verse 7 says this, We had several days of slow sailing, and after great difficulty, we finally neared Cretus, but the wind was against us. So we sailed across to Crete and along the sheltered coast of the island past the Cape of Salomon. So, Salmon, excuse me. <clears throat> but it's while they are in Fair Havens. Let me ask you this. Have you ever felt like you were sailing against the wind? You ever felt like you were just sailing against the winds? Like you, you want to go that way, but the wind is pushing you, and you're, you're like, I'm just trying to live this life. I'm trying to do the right thing, and it's just pushing right against you. Paul is starting to figure this out. And in Fair Havens, something happens. The storm is getting really, really, really bad. And Paul, his, he, he's aware of this storm, and something inside of him, unlike, you know, most likely God, is telling him this is not good. And Paul's looking at it, and he's saying it's not good. And there's this storm brewing, and it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger as they've been sailing. So let me ask you a question. What do you do when you see a storm? What do you do when you see a storm? Do you push forward? Say, we're going to be okay. Don't worry. I'm in control. I can manage the storm. I'm going to go right into it. I don't care about the consequences. 
I don't care about anything else. I'm going to push right into that storm. What do you do when you see a storm? Foolish people just keep going right into the storm. That's what foolish people do. Something happens in Fairhaven. There is an argument, there's conflict that happens in Fairhaven. Paul the Apostle says, let's not go into this storm. I got a bad feeling about this storm. I know we're in a bigger boat, but I've got a bad feeling. What we need to do is we need to stay here in fair havens. We need to wait it out. We, we, we should not go into the storm. Now, everyone else on the boat, all the leadership on the boat, the captain of the boat, the owner of the boat says, we need to go forward and we need to go into the storm. We'll be fine. And Paul doesn't have the influence. He's one person. He doesn't have the influence to turn the entire boat around. And everybody else says, we need to go. What an incredible, incredible testimony, too. You know, if you surround yourself with foolish people, you'll, you'll make foolish decisions. If you get foolish advice, you'll be a foolish person. And you'll go into a storm knowing that there's a storm thinking it's going to be okay. If you walk with foolish people, you'll become foolish. The values that they hold will become your values. And the way they see things, the way they see marriage, the way they see work, the way they see money, the way they see success, all that's going to rub off on you and it'll influence you. Paul's the only one who's saying, we shouldn't go. And everyone else is saying, we will be fine will go. Paul doesn't have the influence. And I want you to hear this because this is so, so important to hear. Uh, you may not have the influence to change the direction of your boat, but you can wholeheartedly support those in leadership and gain trust. How you respond when things don't go your way says a lot to others about what's inside of you. Influence is earned. Just think about that related to your work or whatever it is. Your boss makes decisions or whatever, or the, the, your up makes the decisions and you don't agree with them. How do you respond to that? If you want to build character, you want to build, you want to build influence, you manage yourself in a way that's pleasing to God, because God is the one who promotes. Influence is earned. So they, the rest of the guys in the boat, and we're going to read a whole bunch of scripture here, guys. I'm working into it here. Uh, the rest of the guys in the boat are saying, we'll be fine. You know what? We'll stop in this place called Phoenix. We'll stop in this place called Phoenix. Phoenix was just right around Fair Havens, and their thought was, we'll just go right around. We're, we're in Fair Havens, and we're going to go right around to this place called Phoenix. Phoenix is a much better harbor. There's more resources. It's a bigger city, and we can hang out in Phoenix, and, and when the storm kind of settles, then we'll have more more of a beeline shot, and we'll be able to go straight to Rome. And, and Paul is saying, no, 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 no. Everyone else is saying, yeah, that sounds like a great plan, and that's what they do. I hate flies. Does anybody else hate flies? All Noah had to do was like, you know, and it was, that was it, right? <laughs> anyway, uh, verse 13, look what happens. When a light wind began blowing from the south, the sailors thought they could make it. it this, is, this is so... <laughs> They're in fair havens, and a light wind happens, and they think, this is our opportunity. Let's, let's take off now, and let's go to, let, we'll make it around to Phoenix. Let's go ahead and go. This is it. And it's just, they're just fooling themselves. This light wind happens, and then we, so they pulled up anchor and sailed close to the shore of Crete. And we can make the same mistake. We become anxious and we say, I'm going to go forward. I don't care about the storm. I'm going to, I know it's not the right decision, but I'm going to do it anyway. Why do we do that, incidentally? Why do we go right into the storm? Verse 14, look what happens. 
But the weather changed abruptly, and a wind of typhoon strength called a northeaster burst across the island and blew us out to sea. <clears throat> One of our uh, East Coast guys wanted to call it a nor'easter, as we know what a nor'easter is. Some of you up from out east, you know that's a terrible storm. This is a northeaster, very similar. And they were thinking, oh, we'll just go around here, around Fairhavens, and we're going to stop at Phoenix. But this northeaster came of typhoon wind-like and pushed this Egyptian boat out into the open waters. Now they had no control. Now here's the map of the storm. Here's, what, here, here's where they're at. And you can see they're right between Fairhavens and Malta. And they've been pushed out away from Fair Havens, and now they're out in open sea in the Mediterranean. And it's terrible. <clears throat> I went to visit my sister in, a, in southern Spain a few years ago. Her husband is a Navy doctor in, in Rota, Spain. If you're familiar with Rota, way down on the south end, it's a very crucial base for our military. And uh, we decided to take a day trip, and, and from southern Spain, we went to Morocco. Uh, Africa. If you've ever been to phenomenal uh, Gibraltar is right in there in that area. But um, I've never been part of treacherous water, like tumultuous water, like this water. We were on a really large boat and, and leaving the southern tip of, of Spain, and, and we're traveling across. Now, I grew up saltwater fishing. I grew up fishing 50, 60 miles out of the coastline, and I, I just love fishing and saltwater fishing. But uh, when we were out, literally, probably within, oh, mercy, less than a quarter of a mile on that boat, the water became tumultuous, like as if I was out 100 miles out of the coastline. And there's something about all those waters converging in that area of our world. Just, it, it felt like you were, you know, in, a, in this toilet bowl or something. It was just terrible. And then, uh, <clears throat> so these guys are out in the storm, and, and, and this northeaster has blown them out. And in fact, the original Greek word says, it calls it a Euroquilo, Euroquilo. This Euroquilo pushes them out. They didn't expect that storm. And that's exactly what happens with us in our life. We think, oh, I can do this, and I'll just go around here. I know there's a storm, but I'll be able to work it out. And the storm's here, but I'll go ahead and I'll just cut this corner over here and I'll be safe. I could handle it. I'm strong enough. I'm in control. And then there's this thing called the Euroquilo that happens that we don't expect, and it pushes us out to open waters. And really quickly, we discover, I'm not that big. I'm not that strong. Oh, I need help. That Euroquilo, that Northeaster. Now, some of you just you know, the way you're wired, you just need to go through that, I guess. The wise person says, you know what? I'm not going to do this. I'm not that big. I don't have to wait for the problem to get that big. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fall on my knees now, and I'm going to seek God before it gets worse. I'm going to cry out to God before it gets worse. I'm going to turn to God before it gets worse. I don't need a typhoon to get my attention. I don't need a typhoon to learn my lesson. I'm going to cry out to God right now while there's peace. Verse 15 says this, The sailors couldn't turn the ship into the wind, so they gave up and let it run before the gale. We sailed along the sheltered side of a small island named Qualda, 
where, there, where with great difficulty we, we hoisted aboard the lifeboat being towed behind us. Then the sailors bound ropes around the hull of the ship to strengthen it. So they're literally tying ropes around their cargo to try to keep everything intact. They were afraid of being driven across the sandbars of, of Sirtis off the African coast. So they lowered the sea anchor to slow the ship and were driven before the wind. The next day, as gale force winds continued to batter the ship... The crew began throwing the cargo overboard. Now they're just in a place of desperation. The following day, they even took some of the ship's gear and threw it overboard. The terrible storm raged for many days, blotting out, listen to this, blotting out the sun and the stars. Well, when that happens, if you're out in open waters, how do you navigate? How do you know what direction to go? The stars. You look at the sun. You look at our, our celestial beings up there. And all that's blacked out now because of this storm. And look what happens until at last, let's read that together, church. At last, all hope was gone. Now that's a place of desperation. You're here at church right now because you have hope. You have hope in a God who is great and big and exists and loves and is all-powerful and all-knowing, a hope in a God who can do any miracle. Isn't that why you're here? Because you need to be strengthened by God. <clears throat> hope is so powerful. You read stories about people who are out in you know, places in the open sea, and they're surviving, and, and, or, or maybe they're on this desert island, or, or how about 9-11? You hear stories when our, those Twin Towers fell, and there were people caught underneath, and, and they may survive for a little bit. You know what they had? Hope. Hope is so powerful, it can keep you going forward. It can keep you saying, you know what? I know there's hope. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give up on her. I'm not going to give up on him. I'm not going to give up on, on a God who can help me. I'm not going to give up. My kids love me. I love my kids. I'm not going to give this hope that says, I'm going to keep going forward. But when the hope is gone, what do you do? You let go. When the hope is gone, you surrender. And you say, there's no hope. That's the condition of these sailors on this boat with Paul. They made some bad decision after bad decision after bad decision, and they didn't listen to Paul. They ignored God's guidance. They ignored God's direction. They ignored God's warnings, and they kept going forward. And now everything is being thrown off. Their very lives are in danger. And at some point on the boat, they get to this place of desperation, and you can just see them like, we're going to die now. I'm done trying. I'm not going to throw anything else off the boat. Have you been there before? That's a tough spot. It's a tough spot. As a pastor, I can't tell you how many times I've, people I've, I've counseled, and I've counseled people when they're in Cyprus. <laughs> I've counseled people when they were early on Caesarea. And I've counseled people when they're in Myra. And I've counseled people when they're in Fairhaven. But when I counsel people who are in the storm, it's very different. Those people are like, I don't care. I just want to jump off a cliff. I don't care anymore. Place of desperation. I don't care anymore. And these sailors ignored and ignored and ignored, and maybe you could identify with them. Verse 21 says this, No one had eaten for a long time. Finally, Paul called the crew together and said, Men, 
you should have listened to me in the first place and not left Crete. You would have avoided all this damage and loss. Some of you do that. My wife can do that to me. You know what, Ruben? You should have done this. You should, or we should have taken a left turn back there. We should have taken a right turn back there. So anyway, I just want to throw that out. Um, <laughs> you should feel good. Paul the Apostle is doing the same thing. I told you back there we should have never left. I told you. But you kept going. But then Paul flips the switch. Here, verse 22, he says this. But, let's read those first three words out loud. But, turn to the person next to you and just tell them take courage. Can you do that? It's beautiful. It's the opposite of hope. Hope being gone. It's the opposite. It's this place of, oh, you know what? I don't care anymore. I give up, uncle. I don't care. Hope is gone. And Paul says, this is exactly what God does with us. He says, take courage. What, what are you talking about, Paul? Why is he saying take courage? See, your faith is only as strong as the object of your faith. Your faith is only as strong as the object of your faith. If you have faith in yourself, it's limited. If you have faith in yourself, it's limited. Because you know you're not that strong. You don't know what's going to happen in two hours right now. You don't know what's going to happen in 30 minutes. You're not all-knowing. You're not all-powerful. Your faith is only as strong as the object of your faith. Don't put your faith in your boss. Ladies, don't put your faith in your man. Man, don't put your faith in your women. <laughs> put your faith in God. Put your faith in God. <laughs> Why is Paul saying take courage? Is Paul saying, look, you just need to put faith in me? That's not what Paul is saying. Look what he says. Don't, <clears throat> let me, let me, in front of, be, but take courage. None of you will lose your lives even though the ship will go down. For last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me. This is so important. It's like he is talking to people that don't know God. These sailors, he's talking to these sailors, and they do not have the same relationship that he has with God. They don't know God. They don't have that relationship with him. And Paul is saying, don't worry. I, last night I had a dream, and in my dream, this angel of the God to whom I belong, I belong to God. I'm a child of God, and I serve him, and he stands beside me. And he said, don't be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more, God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. So Paul is saying, listen, you should know something. I have a God, <laughs> and my God is the God of the sea. My God is the God of creation. And my God visited me last night with this angel, and my God told me last night, don't worry. So you don't have to worry about this. And they're probably looking at him like, what are you talking about? You're God. I, we serve many gods. We're a polytheistic you know, culture. What are you talking about? You're God. What are you, we're, we're going down. All hope is gone. And Paul says, don't worry. <laughs> My God is with me. And did you notice this one part? He granted safety to everyone sailing with you. God granted safety to everyone sailing with who? Paul. With Paul. God tells Paul, I'm going to grant safety to everyone sailing with you. 
this is such an important biblical principle right here, guys. <clears throat> when you walk with Jesus Christ, everyone on your boat enjoys the benefit of you walking with Jesus. They may not know it, but there's blessings on their life because you walk with Jesus. And you may be the person who's walking with Jesus, and I just want you to know that your faith in your home matters. You keep praying. Because even the people that are living with you that may not even know God, that may go on, they're going off on the wrong road, and they might be that wayward kid or whatever it is, but your faith in Christ is impacting the entire boat, the entire home even impacting maybe even the company or that department that you work with or that team, your faith in Christ just spills over into everyone around you. That's why it's so important. And if you're one who's not walking with Christ, and I want you to hear this, the good things that are happening in your life are happening because of that Christian in your home. It's God's grace, it's his mercy. There's some things you can do for yourself, but the greater, more significant, substantial things come from God. And Paul tells them, don't worry about it. My God is with me. And he sent an angel, and he told me it's gonna be okay. And incidentally, all of you are gonna be okay because I'm with you. <clears throat> because I'm with you. And again, verse 25, here it is. He says it again, so take courage, for I believe God. That's so strong. For take courage. For I believe God. I believe God. I believe God. It will be just as he said. In verse 26, he says this. But we will be shipwrecked, shipwrecked on an island. Paul says, yeah, it's going to go down. But we're going we're gonna to be on an island. Have you ever been in a situation where all you want is solid ground? All you want is solid ground. You're like, I'm just tired of this shaking. I'm tired of this moving. I'm tired of this swaying. I just want solid ground. I want you to hear this. God's grace can meet you on any island. So good. You're never too far away for God. Doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter what you did last night. God loves you and God cares about you. Doesn't matter how many times you've turned your back on God. Doesn't matter how many times you said you're sorry. Doesn't matter how many times you visited that site. Doesn't matter how many times you felt like you just keep blowing it and blowing it and blowing it. God's grace can reach you on any island. Glory to God. That's his grace. That's his love. You know what happens when you experience God's grace? The only way to experience God's grace is to become keenly aware of your own sin. Because if you're not keenly aware of your own sin, his grace doesn't mean anything. It's kind of like that person who goes up to, to, to court. I, was, I went to a courtroom. I've been in a courtroom a few, few times. Um, fortunately, I haven't been on, in, on the wrong side, I guess. But I went with, with one guy, and, and he needed me to be a character witness. And I went, and I, I'll never forget seeing this young man in early 20s in the courtroom with chains around his, his ankles and and he was chained up behind and he was standing before the, the judge and there was someone on his right and someone on his left and he's in his whatever it was, orange suit or whatever it was. And I'll never see this, forget seeing this grown man just weep, just sob. It's a scary thing to be in the hands of a, of a, of a judge or a jury, isn't it? Be in that situation, that's just scary. 
But here's God's grace. God's grace is that judge getting out and he fully knows his crime. He fully knows what he deserves. He fully knows he could spend years and years and years and years in prison. But God's grace is that judge getting out of that and walking up to that guy and say, I dismiss all charges of you and you are forgiven and you can go free. That soul knows grace at that moment, doesn't he? Doesn't he? God's grace can meet you on any island. All you have to do is turn to him, repent of your sins, turn to him. Verse 27 said about midnight on the 14th night of the storm, as we were being driven across the Sea of Adria, the sailors since land was nearby. And I just want to say that 14th night of the storm. So this thing has been going on for 14, 15 days. No stars, no moon, no sun, darkness, a terrible storm. And Paul is encouraging them. Paul is encouraging them. Paul is encouraging them. I want to jump to verse 39. It says, when morning dawned, they didn't recognize the coastline, but they saw a bay with a beach and wondered if they could get to shore by running the ship aground. So they cut off the anchors and left them in the sea. Then they lowered the rudders, raised the foresail, and headed toward the shore. But they hit a shoal and ran the ship aground too soon. The bow of the ship stuck fast while the stern was repeatedly smashed by the force of the waves and began to break apart. The soldiers wanted to kill the prisoners to make sure they didn't swim ashore and escape. But the commanding officer wanted to spare Paul, so he didn't let them carry out their plan. Then he ordered all who could swim to jump overboard first and make their and make for land. The others held on to planks or debris from the broken ship. So everyone escaped safely to shore. Remember, that's what Paul said. And verse chapter 28, verse 1 says this. Once we were safe on shore, we learned that we were on the island of what? Malta. So here's where, here's where they ended, right here. Here's a map of where they ended. They didn't make it all the way to Rome. They landed in Malta. <clears throat> they landed in Malta. If you were to look at Malta today, we have someone here at church, uh, Chris Hines, who's actually, he served in the Marines, and he's been in Malta. And uh, uh, here's a picture of what Malta, current Malta t- looks like today. Very populated city, one of the most religious cities or, or its own country now, uh, country in the world. The, the waters are, have turquoise color all around it. And, and throughout Malta, there's one apostle that has been memorialized. Any idea who this guy is? St. Paul. You see Saint, statues of St. Paul everywhere. In fact, they have a St. Paul's Bay there in Malta right there. If you were to visit, beautiful place. It's on, it's on my bucket list to go visit. And uh, there were some researchers that went there recently. Well, several, several people have looked and said, okay, where did this shipwreck happen? And it's interesting. Researchers have said that the ship didn't actually go down in St. Paul's Bay, but they believe it went down in this place called St. Thomas Bay. And there were some divers in the late 60s and early 70s. And guess what they discovered? They discovered four anchors at the bottom St. Thomas Bay. Pretty cool. And an expert archaeologist looked at these and dated them in the Roman era. Maybe. Sometimes I think God gives us a little help with our faith. He knows what we need to, to continue to believe. I don't know where you're at, but I want you to know you have a God who loves you. You have a God who cares about you. God can reach you wherever you're at. You're never too far from God. Let's pray. God, thank you for your grace and your love. 
And God, uh, thank you for your faithfulness. Holy Spirit, thank you for working here. If you're ready to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, all you have to do is say this prayer from your heart. Say, Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior and forgive me for my sins. I confess them before you right now and I repent of them. And I turn to you with all of my heart. I want to walk with you, Jesus. Put your Holy Spirit inside of me and help me to do that. Others of you, maybe you feel like you, your faith has been shipwrecked a little bit. Would you just cry out to God and say, God, save me. Do a miracle. Maybe you need hope. Say, God, I need, I need courage right now. I'm just tired. I need courage right now. God, fill me with hope. Fill me with courage. Give me assurance that you are with me, God. And maybe you just need to pray for your family or pray for your marriage. Thank you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Each year, thousands of Thorn Creek Church messages are downloaded for free. This ministry is generously supported by Thorn Creek Church members and listeners like you. If you'd like to support this ministry, please consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting thorncreek.church/give.